Many of you know that when I came, one of my announced goals was that all of us together would continue to love Jesus Christ more and more. We started off with the sermon series with Jesus I Am as he explained who he was. We looked at some benedictions of how we are blessed because of Christ. We looked at the covenant. We looked at his birth. And now as we look at his sacrifice... And we begin with this passage in Matthew 16 that shows Jesus dealing with his disciples. And what we see is, you know, you know these stories when people tell a story on themselves because they they want people to think that they're realistic, that they're real. And so here we see a story about Peter and, and his, basically in one paragraph, Peter is proclaiming, standing up for all the other apostles and disciples and saying, Jesus, you are the Christ. And now he says, no, 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 you can't do what you want to say you're going to do. One of the things about this passage in Jesus describing what we think of and describe as his voluntary, we're going to look at his voluntary substitutionary atonement, his death on the cross. And I think when I read this passage about as he begins to show them that he has to go and suffer and die and be raised up, And his disciples, it would be, their response is what your and my response would be. You know, when someone says, I'm going to go die. And some of us have relatives who, they tell you they're waiting to die. I think about my mother who on her 90th birthday felt like, okay, this is it. This was good. She's 96. She had her first visit from the hospice people. No, you're not quite ready. But here's Jesus. And some of you, like I, have waited with people to die. On the battlefields of Iraq and in Afghanistan, I have been with Men, women, and children who have died because of the consequences of war. But the one I remember was my first as a pastor when I was called in from a hunting trip with some of the other men. We were out in the mountains in Virginia looking for deer that we never found that season. But they said, come on in, Mrs. Black is in the hospital. It's at the end, and I went with her family. We prayed. And she passed. Because death is a part of family life. But here is Jesus saying, I am going to go do this. This is what has to happen. This is part of my story. And so he tells about his death and resurrection. Let me read verse 21 again. 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and on the third day raised. There are so many things that are woven into that verse. We think about Jesus and revealing and telling his disciples. He began to show his disciples. Those disciples were his audience. But when we pull back from this passage and we look at Matthew, where are we going to end up in Matthew 28? Go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have told you. So here is Jesus showing them, showing the disciples, showing us through the disciples in reading this, part of what discipleship is, that there is, there is teaching, there is storytelling. This is a story, a narrative the destination that Jesus knew was going to be his, and now he's getting his disciples ready. They're not ready. They won't be ready when it happens, but they will understand. Lots of times today, people will say that when we do evangelism, when we tell people about the Bible, that it's about the story, because it used to be about the propositions. What's the truth? What's the doctrine? But see, I look at verse 21 and I see both. I see the story of him getting ready to go to Jerusalem. I see the story that includes the religious leaders, the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. He's going to have to suffer many things, the humiliation of the trial, the the beating, the carrying of the cross. All of that was because of the religious leaders. And then he would be killed. And on the third day be raised. I wonder which one jarred their ears the most. He says, I'm going to go be killed, or I'm going to go be killed and then be raised. Because that's what Jesus is teaching us and his disciples, teaching us to teach others about who he was. Now, we're going to come back to this idea, but one of the things that I will tell you near the end of the sermon is how I understand Jesus began to show his disciples. How would he get them ready? What would he be showing them? Now, I believe, and we're going to look at this at the end, that what it meant was he was going back to Old Testament passages, to the law, the prophets, the Psalms. Just as he did after his resurrection. And see, it's this narrative, this story, That verse 22, Peter took him aside. Now this is the same Peter that had said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. He got it right. Far be it from you, Lord, that this this shall never happen to you. 
Have you ever been in that position when you find in your mind somehow that you're trying to tell God what to do? You're trying to tell God how to write the story? See, part of the time in our lives, often that we want to write our story, we want to write our happy ending, our success, our being the hero. And Jesus says, I have to go die. But he, meaning Jesus, turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. Now, I want to look at what it means to be a hindrance in a moment, but I also want to point out why I think he used Satan at that point. Because you see, in John 8, verse 44, he's going to tell his disciples, you are of your father the devil, you will... Your will is to do your father's desire. He's talking to the religious leaders. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Don't get caught up in Satan's lies because he's the father of lies. He's the father of untruth. He doesn't stand in the truth. See, Peter was trying to say, no, God, Jesus, it's going to be this way. And he's saying, no, you need to listen to me. And see, sometimes we are not willing to listen to Jesus because it makes us so uncomfortable. Every time I would come back to this passage and read about him getting his disciples ready as he goes voluntarily to his death and resurrection, on my behalf. See, in the circles that I came from, come from, are part of, there is a very big push, and, and, and I think it's a mistake, but that, you know, faith is a rational decision. And I want to say it's a decision of the whole person. Yes, it's a decision in response to Scripture. But I want to tell you, I can't look at this and think about Jesus dying on the cross and it doesn't tear me apart inside that I sinned so he had to die. That he voluntarily did that. How can you not love someone who did that for you? How can we want to repeat sins when he did that for us? Voluntarily, he got his disciples ready voluntarily. Because after all, what is clear about Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God. He's the Creator. Yes, like he, Elijah, I think it was, rather than Elisha. But anyway, he could call down armies of angels. He could call down fire. He could bring in lions. But no. He doesn't even let Peter, who's cut off the ear of a servant, which he heals, he says, no, I have to go die. And I think that should, that should mold our hearts, warm our hearts, reassure our hearts that it's not my effort, it's the voluntary efforts of Jesus Christ that have paid for my sins. See, what he was saying, and Peter says, this is never going to happen. He said, Jesus says, oh, yes, it is. It has to happen. 
See, this verse, I look at it, I listen, and go, my goodness. What would Jesus, he said, Fred, you're a hindrance to me. You're in the way. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I'm on my way to the cross. You're in the way. You see, Peter at that point had a lack of faith in the words of Jesus. He wouldn't listen to the authority, to the word. See, lots of times that I think is one of the biggest hindrances is we don't listen to the word God has given to us. How do we hinder Jesus? By not listening. And then it goes deeper by a lack of faith in what Jesus has said. You see, when we we think historically where the gospel has um, been attacked in the Western world, it's been attacked in three places. First, it's about resurrection. I mean, about revelation. Did God really speak? Is the Bible the word of God? Is it the inspired word of God? Is it the inerrant word of God? Is it God's word? Did Jesus really say these things? And then, it's about his death and his resurrection. About what his death did. And we're going in this series on the sacrifice. We're going to be looking at that and you will hear me take Jesus' death and we're going to look at it from different angles and different passages. Because the Bible gives us so much to think about and ponder and to praise him for. So when the gospel is attacked, it's attacked over his death. It's attacked over his resurrection. That the dead really don't rise. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 4, said, While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. What God comes down and dies for his enemies. And then in verse 10, which you've heard me preach on. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see how Jesus is giving us the beginnings of the nuts and bolts, the seeds of the gospel in his death and his resurrection? See, if you won't accept that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you won't accept that Christ was raised up because the sacrifice was accepted, then which Jesus are you worshiping? You're trying to do what Peter did and say, not that way, but my way. It's too uncomfortable to think that somebody had to die for my sins and be raised up as proof of acceptance. But then Jesus comes after those very harsh words. Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance. Now, he gives the pastoral insight to what's going on in Peter's heart and mind. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man.
See, that was Peter's fault, and often it's our fault, often it's my fault, because we think, oh, I know what's going on, I can do this, I can, you know. No, you have to be the mind of God. And you've heard me said, how do we know what the things of God are? It's through Scripture. I saw on Facebook, one of my friends put up one of these things, you know, it's not what people remember about the words of God, it's about what people do. And I want to say, it's what you remember that creates what you do. That we often want to separate the word of God from the life of the Christian and know they're together. How do you know what is in God's mind unless you read and memorize and meditate on the very word of God? You see, in today's world, people don't even include the idea or the possibility of God being in the world that we live in. They leave him out completely. If you want to have your mind set on the things of God, it has to be driven by his word and by prayer to help you understand what you're reading through discipleship and being taught and teaching others. Now, I said I was going to come back to the idea that Jesus began to show his disciples. I want to show you an expanded view of that from the end of his ministry on earth. After his resurrection, when he's working with his disciples in Luke 24, beginning at verse 44, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written, hear that? This is what I spoke to you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And this is what we're going to get later on. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so you see why I say this is the beginning of the gospel being explained to the disciples, being explained to us as we read Matthew, as we read the gospels and wonder, okay, what are we supposed to go do? And he says, Take it to all the nations. And Luke says, take it to all the nations. That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. See, if you have the mind of God, you know that your sins are forgiven because of what Christ did, not because of what you did. We can never say to God, oh, my sins are so bad I could never be forgiven. No. We have to have the mind of God to say that all sins can be forgiven because of Christ's death on the cross. And that repentance should be replaced, that we repent of those sins. But instead, you know, in, in the Luke 24 passage, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And the scriptures are what he spoke, as he says in verse 44. These are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you. When he is showing them this road to Jerusalem, 
The roadmap comes out of the Old Testament. The law, the prophets, the Psalms. And that's what creates the mind of God, the mind of Christ in us. So that we can go out to make disciples, to teach people to think with the mind of God, to have faith in the Christ who died on the cross and was raised from the dead, so that we can repent of our sins. And so as we go and we move along in this, right now I think it's about ten sermons, this is number two, each week we're going to turn and look at the life of Christ getting ready for the cross. But this week, this week as we fall in love with Jesus again, I want you to remember that he did this voluntarily. He said, this is what I have to do. This is what the Father has sent me to do. Let us pray. Father, we stand in awe. We are humbled. That you went to the cross for us, that you died and you were raised. Those simple things that we say again and again, but each day let us come back to you in greater love because you did this voluntarily. And the next section of scripture is going to be about taking up our cross and following you. Father, send your Holy Spirit that we might have the mind of God, that we might hear the words of scripture in our minds as we seek to agree with him and go on the path that he has given to us. But most of all, I would pray that each day we would know that our sins are forgiven because he died and he was raised. That he came for our salvation. That as Paul wrote to the Romans, we were weak. We were his enemies. But yet at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So Father, we thank you for this. We pray these things, Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen.